Welcome to Jade Explains Death, a place where the more morbid the curiosity, the better. We'll be confronting the one thing humans fear most, death. Each episode will be dedicated to a manner of death, and I will paint a vivid picture of how each would feel, as well as share some of the darkest yet most interesting real-life stories. Get ready, because we're about to embark on an adventure now. Welcome back, loves. It's time for Freak Deaths at Amusement Parks Part 2. Sadly, each year, a new handful of horrific accidents are added to the ever-growing list, which means there's no shortage of true nightmares to include. My content may be upsetting to some and for a mature audience. Listener discretion advised. Just a friendly reminder that, statistically, it's highly unlikely to face a violent death on a coaster or spinning ride. You're more likely to die in a fiery plane crash, become an uber-rich influencer, win thousands on a scratch-off twice, or die from tuberculosis than to die at an amusement park. Even at the happiest place on Earth, people occasionally have their hopes and dreams robbed from them. Perhaps their tagline should be changed to the happiest place on Earth for those who survive at Disney. That's exactly what happened to a 48-year-old woman on January 3rd, 1984. She decided to get on board the Matterhorn Coaster and Thrill Ride, which coincidentally already held a death toll of one. She was on vacation at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. This ride was built in 1959 during the first major renovation to the park since its opening. The actual mountain of the ride was built to scale the real Matterhorn Mountain, which stands at 14,692 feet or 4,478 meters. The actual inspiration for this ride came from the box office hit Disney film Third Man on the Mountain. The ride begins when you climb into a bobsled-style car secured on a track. This track weaves through what's supposed to be the inside of a cave, I believe, where you're greeted with total darkness and small eerie lights. The track also climbs on top of the man-made mountain, where you will occasionally hit a high point with a few subtle drops. This is a hybrid coaster. At some points, it's a water attraction as you glide through giant puddles that might spritz you in the face. But it's also marketed as a thrill ride one that's typically mild-mannered enough for older children. The first fatality happened all the way back in 1964. 15-year-old Mark Maples was on the ride, which began as normally as always. Once his bobsled car reached the peak of the mountain, the teenager decided to undo his seatbelt and attempt to stand up. Why? Nobody knows. Perhaps he was attempting to kick off an extraordinarily short career as a stunt double. Whatever the reason, this decision was the last one that he was ever able to make. With the car jerking, occasionally, he was unable to maintain his balance. He fell headfirst out of the car, plummeting over 50 feet onto the track below. The deceleration, or sudden stop to moving, caused his skull to basically cave in. He was brain dead almost immediately and his body completely lifeless shortly after. The incident in 1984 is a bit more of a mystery. On that day in January, there were no reported mechanical issues with the ride. The weather was cooperative, everyone seemed to just be enjoying the magic that surrounded them. When the woman first climbed inside of her car, everything seemed fine. The employee performed his little walkthrough and checked on each passenger's seatbelt. The ride took off, and soon the woman was taking turns cheering, laughing, and hollering her head off. Once speeding at 27 miles per hour through the dark, her screams escalated a tad, but Still, there was no reason for concern. But then, something happened that forever left a ripple in the cloth of time. Something that touched any human nearby, as well as several people who hadn't even arrived at the park yet. As the car hit a ramp, 
the woman was catapulted from her seat with enough force to send her sailing onto the next track. Sadly, that wasn't the end of the nightmare. That was just the very first falling domino. Another bobsled was already speeding down the track, set to collide with her limp body in a matter of seconds. Nobody could react quick enough. In fact, by the time any worker realized what was going on, it was already long too late. Between the forces at work of velocity, as well as the sharp metal pieces, the woman's head was decapitated cleanly from her body, likely killing her instantly, at least ending her pain instantly. Sadly, the workers and park attendees were treated to a horrifying show that would go on to scald an image into their memories until the end of time. And as for the first responders, well, no matter how long each had been on the job, this was likely the first and probably last decapitation they'd ever see. Words cannot convey what a horrifying, grotesque, and haunting scene something like this is. An investigation was launched to try and figure out exactly what had caused the incident. Sadly, it rendered few answers. It was determined that the woman was not wearing her safety belt at the time that she was sent flying from her seat. The worker was confirmed to have monitored the occupants beforehand. To this day, it's still unclear whether the woman undid her own seatbelt or if the belt itself malfunctioned. It was inconclusive whether or not the park had any fault in the matter, so the Matterhorn reopened to the public. Several years later, a few changes were made, including getting new seatbelts to help ensure that this would never again happen. According to witness testimony from that day, the woman appeared to be limp and lifeless after being tossed from her bobsled. That could mean one of two things. Either the woman smacked her head hard on the metal track, knocking her out, or the shock slowed down her responses so much that it looked like she was unconscious. Our body releases massive amounts of catecholamines like adrenaline when we go through something sudden and traumatic. This can really help curb the immense pain that would ordinarily come from such an event. If you've ever been involved in a car accident or a big fall or basically anything that caused immediate injury, you likely remember time slowing down. That is, if you were in a place where you could actually see it coming. We almost slip into a contradictory state where we become hyper-aware yet dulled at the same time. You may focus on strange details that you just wouldn't ordinarily pick up on, like placement of a street sign, somebody looking at their phone off in the distance, or the color of a person's shirt. Having gone through a car accident myself, I believe that this might be a form of dissociating. This also happens when a person's violently attacked or abused. Our minds, at a subconscious level, are aware of the fact that we're about to endure a lot of scary things in a short period of time. Focusing on details that are not necessarily connected to the traumatic event is a way to calm the fear and anticipation. So when a person survives something awful, they can often give very detailed descriptions of parts of this scene, but are unable to remember every key detail about the event itself, at least not at first. That being said, I think that this whole ordeal was not as horrible as one might think. It happened so quickly. Hopefully she was knocked out upon impacting the track. If she wasn't, she was definitely still in that state of protection. Any broken bones or injuries would definitely be there, but they would feel as if they were a room over, like they're part of you yet kind of far away. She experienced a dull ache. Her head might have throbbed a little. Once that other bobsled came along to turn out the lights for good, all of that pain would have fallen away immediately. When a person's decapitated, the highway from their pumping heart to their brain is abruptly cut off. All the side streets are as well. That means that whatever oxygen remains in the brain is all that it will ever get. And it will basically use it all up in a matter of seconds. 
This is why many scientists believe that the brain remains conscious for several seconds after beheading, if the circumstances are right. In order for it to be right, it has to be a clean decapitation and the brain free from additional injury. This would happen when a person was executed on the guillotine back in the day. That swift blade would stamp down across the neck. It wouldn't cause any secondary injuries to any other tissue in the body. The brain's still intact, so it's able to continue running until it burns up all the remaining oxygen. Because the woman obtained injury from just falling onto the track prior to being ran over, it's entirely up to the state of those injuries whether or not her brain was eligible to remain conscious for several seconds after the fact. Either way, the nervous system severed. Nerves can no longer transmit signals to the brainstem, so all pain would cease. Her autopsy was never publicly released, so I honestly don't know what other injuries were discovered post-mortem on her examination. All right, let's hop on over to Missouri to discuss an old-school coaster that has D-rated campy vibes and stands at about three stories high. This coaster is also a thrill ride that is chaotic, to say the least. It's basically like taking a coaster through an unorganized and kitschy haunted house. It's friggin' loud. There are many fire illusions, occasional actors dressed up, tons of yelling, and everything sounds very muffled. At times, there are seconds of total darkness filled only with animal howls and screeches. In some moments, it honestly sounds like you're on top of a collapsing bridge. Near the very end, you are blinded by an illuminating light that almost looks like a train is cruising at you head on. Despite its lack of direction and niche, because it basically covers a whole gambit of horror, people seem to really enjoy it. It doesn't go terribly fast because they want to give you time to observe all of the different horror displays. On July 9th, 1980, a 23-year-old man was sitting at the very front of the ride with just a few passengers behind him. For whatever reason, the workers believed that the train was actually empty, so they switched it over to maintenance. That detoured the train off the main tracks onto some secondary tracks used solely for inspection and maintenance. These secondary tracks were a huge hazard because it brought the train through a storage area with just a tiny bit of space above the train before meeting a door. The few employees who had been working inside of the attraction noticed what was happening. Some just stood completely frozen in shock. Luckily, a few jumped to action, screaming at the passengers to duck. Unfortunately, as previously mentioned, it was so damn loud. The man in the front did not hear the warnings. By the time he noticed that a door was heading right for his eyeline, it was too little too late. He smashed into the door with the entirety of his head. The passengers behind him all either heard the warnings or noticed that the man hadn't ducked in time, so they shriveled up in their seats. Sadly, they all became part of their own real-life thrill horror show because the man's head basically caved in from the heavy object. Brain matter exploded from the back and sides catching on some of the people behind. His injury was catastrophic and deadly. That door was left looking like the highest rent decoration in the entire place. It was painted with coagulated blood and brain matter. It had an intense spatter pattern. This incident was obviously due to human error or negligence, however you want to look at it, and not by faulty mechanics, so it simply reopened two days later. The attraction grew in popularity. I suppose it's lucky for the owner's pockets that they were really shooting for a horror theme. Having a man's head basically explode on the ride really upped the nightmare factor. Of course, some parents really didn't want their young children going on this haunted coaster after the fact, 
but the few guests that were lost were easily replaced by the many teenagers who loved gory movies and wanted to experience a live-action adventure that had ultimately claimed a life in a very gruesome way. This man luckily didn't suffer. It was over in a blink for him. His skull had not just broken, but caved, causing immediate destructive injury to his actual brain. Think of it this way. His brain was basically mega-death-punched by a hard-splintered skull bone as well as the door. Well, this next one is a clusterfuck. Willard's Whizzer was a Speed Racer-inspired coaster at California's Great America. Basically, immediately after opening the attraction, it became obvious that this thing had a lot of issues and kinks. So what was done about it? Not a damn thing. The main problem that was observed right away in 1976 when it was introduced was train cars colliding with one another near the end of the course. In fact, between 1976 and 79, there were at least 11 incidents that resulted in some pretty nasty injuries. Nothing was reported, which is scary. In 1980, after four years of fairly consistent issues, a 13-year-old boy attempted to climb into this coaster that reached 47 miles per hour. Unfortunately, another train was ending its course. The timing was once again off. The train car collided with the boy, mowing him down and basically crushing him. And guess what? It wasn't even reported, which is not legal and really came back to bite them in the ass. Very little's known about the boy's injuries. We basically just know that he died later that day. So thanks a lot, Marriott, for being ruthless assholes and not reporting this incident. Considering the specifications like the weight of the car, the size of the tracks, and space beneath, I can easily surmise what happened. The boy likely suffered several broken ribs, ruptured organs like his spleen, and at least one kidney. It'd be a miracle if he didn't endorse some head trauma. Hopefully it was enough to knock him unconscious first, because if not, he had to deal with a whole hell of a lot of agony. Broken ribs are one of the most painful bones you can break. It pulls together several types of pain. It feels like an immense pinching sensation, which is strong enough to make you wonder if your lung tissue somehow caught between the bones. If he was actually ran over enough to be crushed by the car, his lungs would have collapsed. And a collapsed lung is honestly one of the most panic-inducing injuries. You feel as if a tight band is wrapped firmly around the tissue, preventing them from expanding. You just, you feel like you can't breathe. You can't get any oxygen. Your head feels like it's inflating like a balloon. Pair that with the broken ribs, and it seriously seems like you have a bunch of sharp pebbles just floating around in your chest cavity, slicing into anything that comes close to them. This next one is probably one of the most widely feared events to transpire on a roller coaster. Let me set the scene. You and your buddy were both finally able to take the same day off from your jobs so you could take a day trip to ride some coasters. It's something you used to try and do every year, but you know, life often gets in the way, so it's been about five years. You are not a fan of lukewarm hot dogs and churros, so you stop for some lunch on the way at one of your favorite spots. It's a diner that has old school vibes and serves the best cheap chili burgers. The bun's just saturated in the spicy chili with ooey gooey cheese stacked on top, the burgers come along with perfectly crispy crinkle fries, and to round it all out, you each get a chocolate chili milkshake. It has notes of rich silky chocolate with just a hint of spice and cinnamon. So far, your day is fan-fucking-tastic. It only gets better when you arrive at the amusement park lot, which has a decent amount of cars, but they aren't jam-packed on top of each other. It only takes you a minute to find a spot, which means that there will be no hour-long lines inside. It definitely was worth coming on a Tuesday afternoon. It's a bit overcast, but the air still feels muggy and warm. 
there's a slight breeze that hits you just when you really need it. The cheap and priceless nostalgias hitting you in your gut, bringing you back to a simpler time when you didn't have to worry about taking paid time off from work or making sure that the bills have cleared the bank. You've already devised a plan in the car while driving up, so you know exactly where you're heading first. The Camara Coaster is your second favorite of the entire park. It goes up to 111 feet or 33.8 meters, has three huge loops, and reaches speeds of 53 miles per hour or 85 kilometers per hour. So you hop in line. It looks like you'll be up in just minutes. You and your friends start bullshitting each other, trying to figure out which one of you might actually scream this time. This is an unofficial competition that the two of you have had for years. Neither of you have actually been on a coaster since your trip five years ago, so you both worry that you might lose. You're up! By the time you're allowed through the gate, there's only one set of seats left in the fifth row. You're honestly relieved to not be riding in the front. The worker comes around to verify that each passenger is secure, and your belly's squealing in anticipation and a little terror. You know that if you just get this first thrill ride under your belt, the rest will be a breeze. The ride begins slowly climbing up the first hill. You never realized how thin and rickety these yellow tracks actually appear before. You hear the typical click, click, click as you get higher and higher. You can see the entire park from up here. Oh my god, this is high. You don't remember it being so damn high. You come to a slight lull at the tippy top. You can't even remember what it's going to feel like to plummet down this drop. It's as if you're on your very first coaster ride once again. Suddenly, your heart's leaping up your esophagus and dancing right into your mouth as you fly down, the wind biting your sensitive flesh. Every nerve ending is activated as your entire body comes to life. Your guts are screeching as each organ nervously shifts around. That stomach drop sensation so extreme. You're whipped around in your seat. Your lips are flapping as you shoot through the wind at high velocity. You swear you're speeding so much faster than before. The muscles in your neck stretch and shrink as the strain of the first inversion hits. You swing around the first loop with a small nausea whelming in your throat. Your hair whips into your face as you ring all the way around, becoming right side up, slash stinging your vulnerable awake skin. No time to dwell as you swing through the second loop-de-loop. You know that you've screamed by now. How many times has anyone's guessed you give zero fucks about it at this point? You feel as though your organs are not only shifting around but colliding into one another like bumper cars spewing their juices all over your insides. But you don't even care because you haven't felt this damn alive since your 18th birthday. Your entire body weight is thrown to the right side as you hit a tight curve. You really notice that you're cruising. Is this ride going faster or are you just more sensitive now? You begin plunging down another drop. Up and down you go, your hair smacking your back as if it's a horse whip. You're thrown into the third loop, but your ears begin pounding from a high-pitched, nails-on-chalkboard noise. It's the sound of metal on metal. Are those sparks you see flying from the left-hand side? What the fuck is going on? Okay, I've had my fun, you think. I'm ready for this to be over. Is this ride coming apart? Am I losing it? Am I just a chicken shit now? You look over at your friend and realize you're not alone in these thoughts. They, too, have a petrified look sprawled over their face. You're obviously justified in worrying. This sends an explosion of adrenaline and dismay rippling through your belly. You've never known a fear of dying before. It's like an all-consuming primal fear. You clench your eyes shut and just wait to be still. But this intensifies the metal-on-metal metal sound. You hear creaks and groans with the occasional snap. You don't want to know what that is. This can't be fucking happening. Something completely deflates the wind in your sails. You feel an abrupt hard jolt ricochet through your body. Now you know this really isn't right. Your head flies forward, snapping your neck muscles further. You open your eyes. 
just in time to see the ground rapidly approaching. You look down, but down is now up. You aren't attached to anything. Your entire row has snapped off from the train and you are free-falling off the damn track. I guess we're never getting on our favorite coaster after all. That's the very last thought to flash through your mind. This is exactly what happened at La Fiera Magico in Mexico City in September 2019. The ride was, in fact, going faster than previously because the park decided to completely disable the trim brakes on this coaster. The trim brakes are put in place to help slow down a ride if it's speeding too fast. As the car was coming out of the third and final loop, the right wheel assembly completely detached from the track. Remember, this coaster was flying at at least 53 miles per hour or 85 kilometers. As it hit a tight upward curve, the car smacked into a support beam. This impact alone was enough to cause injury to the passengers. But of course, it gets worse. That impact actually caused the fifth car on the train to completely snap off. Its wheel no longer attached to the tracks, which means it was sent crashing upside down onto the ground. Most of the passengers flew from their seats on impact. Miraculously, there were a couple survivors, but two people died. The people inside of the rest of the train that remained on the track were far luckier. It continued cruising, but began to slow. Finally, when it reached another hill, it didn't have enough gusto to make it up, so it stopped moving. A few passengers had minor injuries, but every one of them were able to walk out of the park that day. Months later, the investigation into the incident concluded, stating that the ride was operating outside of its means. It wasn't following protocol. Several of the trains made for this coaster ran into some serious issues over the years. The park decided to dissect those trains and pull out the parts that appeared to be in working order and basically create their own version of a train with those parts. They were only operating the ride with the one man-made train. I mean, they, they literally basically Frankensteined it. Many of the parts used in this train were off-brand, likely odds and ends they found here and there. In the United States, this would be illegal, but in Mexico, there were no laws advising against this sort of thing. Additionally, an inspection revealed several cracks on the track itself, as well as the train. The entire structure had worn down and displayed a lot of weakness. In fact, if you watch the video footage of this ride in its heyday at its first ever location, it not only looks completely different, but it doesn't teeter and vibrate. It appears sturdy and stable. In footage of this coaster in Mexico City, it looks like a ride that is well past its prime and it is so flippin' rickety. Also, the wheel assembly on the train wasn't even put together appropriately. It appeared to be missing at least one bolt and it may not have even utilized the original bolts in the first place. The coaster trim brakes being disabled likely didn't play a huge role in this derailment. It would have helped to control the speeds of the ride, but it wouldn't have been enough to prevent this. There were obviously way too many issues at root of this issue. Thank you, my true crime cupcakes, for joining me. So sorry about the delay on my episode release this week. I ran into some technical issues, but I'm returning to my normal release schedule, which means in just a few short days, my next episode will be coming out. And that will be the first of my back-to-back -back Halloween episodes. This week's one is going to be all about horror movie deaths. That's right, we're going to be dissecting them, breaking them down. I'm going to let you know if they're realistic, and I'm going to explain exactly how they would feel. So if there's a horror movie death you really want to hear about, send me an email. I'll be accepting requests for the next 24 hours because then I will be almost done with the podcast. But it's going to be a fun time, so I'll see you in a few short days. Until then.